We're going to go ahead and look at Mark chapter 4 tonight. And we've been doing a series on the authority of the believer. And I just kind of had this leading in my spirit to tie up a few loose ends um, concerning this series on the authority of the believer. And we've talked quite a bit about um, having authority over fear. We know that God didn't give us a spirit of timidity or of cowardice or of cringing and craving and fawning fear. But he's given us a spirit of power and a love. The the Amplified says a calm and well-balanced mind or a sound mind. You know, it's the will of God for our minds to be sound. Now, the devil doesn't want your mind to be sound. The devil wants your mind to be distracted, okay, not focused. And so developing the powers of focus becomes your responsibility and my responsibility. That's why he tells us, you know, that the greatest warfare we have is right here. He said, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The greatest strongholds that uh, we face are not really up there in the heavenlies. They're in our minds. And so the enemy is vibing for your attention, trying to get your attention off the things that really matter in life onto fantasies or onto the past or onto all sorts of things really that don't contribute to your spiritual welfare and spiritual growth. And that's why he said to cast down imaginations. There's all sorts of imaginations out there in the world, okay? And you've got to be able to identify where the source and the origin of these images and these imaginations are coming from. Oftentimes the origination of a lot of thoughts are coming straight from the pit of hell. And that's why he says casting down imaginations. Don't entertain imaginations. Don't sit there and think the thoughts of the enemy, but cast them down. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And, of course, bringing into captivity every thought uh, to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Does it matter what you place your mind on? How much does it matter? Well, really, it matters between life and death. Because, you know, you could think of that scripture in Romans 8, 5. It says, for to be carnally minded is what? It's death. It produces death. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So a spiritual mind, a person that has has his mind on the Lord and on the presence of God and on the things of God, is going to be a person that's filled with life and peace. But a carnal mind that's bogged down by the cares of this life or fantasizing or thinking about the past and dwelling on all sorts of things that they shouldn't be dwelling on, that produces death, right? And so, uh, does it matter what we have our mind on? It absolutely does. And so then, it becomes our responsibility to place a bouncer at the door of our soul. Amen? What does a bouncer do? Well, a bouncer says, hey, you know, he opens up that little window or that little door and says, what's your name? Sorry, you're not on the list. You can't come in. Well, there's a lot of things trying to get into the door of your life. Knocking on the door of your soul. And you've got to be kind of like a spiritual bouncer and develop a list. Well, is this lovely? Is this of good report? Is, is this virtuous? Is this full of peace? Is this something that is producing life, producing peace? Or does it produce death and produce torment? That's why I said in Philippians 8, Finally, my brother, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are of good report. And there's quite a list there. I'm not quoting all of them. He said, but if there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. So, get yourself a bouncer. 
Hallelujah. The bouncer is the name of Jesus. The bouncer is the word of God, right? The bouncer is the blood of Jesus. And so things that don't line up with the word of God, uh, reject those things. Somebody says, well, I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. God says you can. God's given you the ability to think his thoughts. It's called meditation. In uh, Joshua 1.8, I'm going to take a little drink here. Look, Joshua 1, 8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart of the mouth, that thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. So the word meditate there means to ponder, to think upon, or even to mutter, or to utter God's word, okay? So find scriptures, amen, in the word of God, become familiar with those scriptures, think on them, Dwell on them, be a praiser of God, practice the presence of God, and you'll find your life being saturated with life and peace and anointing. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, so God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power and of love. And what kind of a mind? Say it with me. I have a sound. I have a sound sound mind. My mind is not unsound my mind is my mind and i choose to put my mind on him of course you know you think of that verse in isaiah 26 3 it says that he'll keep us in perfect peace uh, when we keep our minds stayed on him amen so your mind's going to want to wonder you know it's just the that's just the nature of of the way things your mind's going to want to wonder uh, the enemy's going to want to take your mind in places it shouldn't be but you need to make sure that you stay focused yeah. and and the longer that you practice that the easier it'll get amen? amen now let's look over at mark chapter four mark the fourth chapter of course this is the story uh, the instance of you know jesus telling the disciples that they're going to go to the other side in Mark 4.35, he said, The same day when the evening was come, he said to them, Let us pass over to the other side. Well, I believe when the Lord says, Let's go to the other side, he means it. And then he also has the power to see to it that they get to the other side. And when he had sent away the multitude, um, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Of course, you know, you can about imagine what's going through some of the disciples' mind at that time. Well, we must have missed God. What are we doing out there? You know, he told us we're going, then he's going to take us into the middle of the lake and drown us. Okay? (laughs) You know, if this is really the will of God, how come this great storm? Okay? Well, because there's something called a devil, right? Okay? And so, um, you know, the Lord's in the hinder part of the ship in verse 38 says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, and he was asleep on a pillow. So he was resting. Uh, we could say that he was not afraid. And they woke him up, and they said to him, Master, don't you care that we perish? Okay? They're scared to death. And they're asking him the question, now, aren't you afraid uh, that we might just die here? Okay? But verse 39 said, and he arose. Everyone say, he arose. He arose. So the storm arose, right? It was a great storm, but then the greater one arose. Okay? He arose. And he rebuked the wind, and he said unto the sea. So he rebuked the wind, and then he spoke to the sea, 
And he said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jerry Savelle preaches a message like this. He says, For every mega storm that the devil has, God has a mega calm. Isn't that awesome? Glory to God. And, but but there's, there's something that must be done in the midst of the storm. Okay, we just don't want to ride the storm out and see what happens. We want to be like Jesus and rise up and rebuke the storm when it comes against us. Amen. Now, in verse 39 again, he rebuked the wind, said to the sea, peace be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 40, and he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I looked this up in the message translation. He says, why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? But what I want to pay just a little attention to tonight is this question. Why are you so fearful? So when, when, when we've yielded to fear, when fear is knocked on the city of our souls and we haven't done what Jesus did like the disciples didn't, we need to ask ourselves, well, what's going on? Why am I afraid? Why am I, why am I feeling this? Why is this, why, why am I so fearful? Okay. And so anytime fear is in your life, you need to ask yourself that question. We see similar questions being asked by David. Look at Psalm 42 and notice with me in verse 5, 11, 5 and 11. Uh, not actually asking uh, the question, why are you so fearful? But he's, you know, wondering what's going on. He's talking about his soul. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you uh, disquieted in me? Okay. So he's asking uh, the question. You know, sometimes it's good to ask the question. All right? Notice with me in verse 11 of the same chapter, Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I'll yet praise him, for you are the health of my countenance and my God. And so, you know, sometimes it's good to ask ourselves, you know, what's going on here? Now look at a very interesting verse of Scripture I, I, I looked at um, a little earlier. Look at Psalm 53, verse 5. This is an interesting verse, I guess you'd say. Uh, Psalm 53, verse 5. says this. Uh, well, we'll wait till you get there. You can see it up there. Um, it says, they were, uh, There were they in great fear where no fear was. Let's, let's say that together. There were they in great fear where no fear was. Kind of interesting, isn't it? So um, they were afraid when they really didn't have any reason to, to be afraid. Um, one translation says, there they are in terror, okay, in terror and dread. Those are um, good uh, uh, descriptions of a fearful person. Or those are symptoms of being in fear. Um, there's this terror that goes along with it because fear is torment, right? And then also there's this, this dread. So one translation says, there they are in, in terror and dread where there was and had been no tear and dread at all. Yeah. Now, if you've been following us along in these lessons, um, we've been discussing the, uh, the source or the root cause for fear really stems from the fear of death. You know, we could look at Hebrews 2.14, you know, it says, For as much as, you know, Jesus uh, partook of flesh and blood, uh, that, you know, he uh, might deliver those who through fear of death 
were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Okay, So the, the fear of death then uh, is the root or the cause, if you will, uh, of fear. All right. So any Christian then who is afraid of dying, all right, and who is afraid of, uh, uh, of you know, some sort of a horrible death through whatever the case might be, uh, they're afraid for only one reason. And I'll tell you what it is. You ready? It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. So fears are based then, and anxiety oftentimes is based on something that's been suggested to you, something that you even might see an image of from the evil one. Fear is based on something that has not happened yet. So many of the fears that we deal with, that I deal with, are about things that are never going to happen. And we're never close to happening. Let's be honest tonight. Ever gone through torment about something that never happened? Okay. Look at Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. This is just, you know, this is just the way it is and how it is. But when you, uh, when you recognize that the fear of death is the culprit and, and take a strong stance against that, man, I'm telling you what, your life will be completely different. No more fear. Now, in Luke chapter 21, and I think I said verse 26, uh, first of all, we could look at the uh, King James Version. I read this last week, but... Uh, Let's just look at it again. Luke twenty one twenty six uh, says, "Men's hearts will fail them for what?" Okay, so there's spiritual heart failure. Of course, there's natural heart failure. Um, but men's hearts, in the context of this, is in the last days. Men's hearts will fail them for fear. And notice, and looking after. Notice with me, looking after. So when I'm looking after something, I'm giving it attention, right? And looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be, uh, shall be uh, shaken. Now, in the Amplified, it says that men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension, now listen, and expectation of the things that are coming on the world. Okay? So remember, in during this lesson, we have said that faith expects the best, Right? But fear is the reciprocal of faith, correct? So everything that faith is, fear is the opposite of. So if faith expects the best, then what does fear expect? Okay, fear expects the worst. Notice that uh, word again, if we could bring it up. It says, men's hearts will swoon and expire with fear and dread and apprehension and expectation. In other words, there's an expectation of those things that are coming on the world. In other words, looking for, paying attention to the things that are coming. Okay? Hearts failing. Hearts failing. You know, medical science has even done some tests, and I don't have the statistics here, but they measure the effect of fear on the body and the immune system. Fear can literally stress your body right out. You know, you can you can watch the news and you can begin to, well, what's going to happen? Wonder what's going to happen. Well, when you live in faith, you're expecting good to happen. And when you live in faith, you're expecting good to happen, even in the midst of a bad situation. 
Why? Because we know that God is God and He can take something evil and turn it around for good for the glory of God. Amen. So, you, you know, any way you look at it, we win. I read the back of the book, we win. I read the front of the book, we win. I read the middle of the book, we win. We win, we win. And I don't know where American stands in prophecy. There's not much about American prophecy. I really don't know what America would do once we leave. But you know what? It's going to be America's problem. Not mine. And not yours. Because if you believe that Jesus is coming and the rapture of the church draweth not, we're out of here. Glory to God. And until that happens, we need to get as many people as we possibly say can. Amen. All right. Don't want to get into end times here today, but that, a lot of that... I mean, it's really true. You can't find American prophecy, which is not a good thing for America. Anyway, are y'all still happy tonight? And so it's possible then for you and I not to be afraid. It's possible for us to live in victory, even though the world's not going to. Even though the world isn't going to live like us, it's possible for us to live in victory and live in in faith and not in fear. Amen? I mean, you can be in the midst of anything and not be afraid. In the midst of anything and not be afraid. Now, you'll find when, uh, when you start advancing, you know, spiritually, or maybe you're trying to get some territory, maybe it's buying a house, or, you know, I don't know, uh, Trying, trying to advance uh, and, and uh, in the area of economics or trying to get some land or some territory. You'll find that, that when you start advancing, the enemy tries to put the squeeze on. Okay? And, and he tries to pressure you right out of decisions you've already made. Okay? I was talking to a good friend of mine today and... and uh, you know, these lands and buildings things, I mean, they just, they just crush pastors. They crush ministers. The pressure becomes so excruciating great during a time like that, that, I mean, you want to just throw up your hands and say, even so, Lord Jesus, come right now. You know? And... Uh, uh, and and it, there's different levels of it, and there's different degrees of it. Now, here, I had so many wonderful people helping me, and uh, I just, you know, I, you know, by the grace of God, I, I did all right. Thank God for it. Um, but, you know, uh, when, when you start advancing, I don't know if I'm communicating this well or not, but when you start making progress and, and moving forward, uh, the enemy will come to distract you. Because his will for you not is his will is not prosperity for you. His his will is not for you to advance. His will for you is to you know go backwards, not forwards. And uh, he'll put a lot of doubt in your mind. Did I really hear from God? And you know what if? You know this doesn't happen for me. And what will other people think if it doesn't happen? And if I do go ahead and, and do start advancing, what will they think? You know, it, it's just the enemy is such a stinking liar. Because he'll, he'll not only put the, 
the, the, the, the fear of making a wrong decision, but he'll put the fear of the future. He'll put the fear of, of what other people think and all sorts of garbage right from the pit of hell. And of course, you know, seeing it from a different vantage point, because I'm not in that season right now, I just told him, I said, look, I'll tell you right now, you are a winner and you are a person of great integrity and you have an outstanding reputation. And it's just because you're trying to move forward that the devil's bringing all these thoughts to you. And I believe it helped him. So don't think it's strange, my brothers and sisters, (laughs) concerning the fiery test that is to try you when you start making advancements. And that's why it's so important. We started this night out by, by talking about staying focused. You see, there is pressure, but there is the ability to press through the pressure. Paul said this. He said, I press. In other words, there was a ceiling trying to keep Paul down. But Paul said, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, as for me and my house, we're going we're to keep pressing. We're going to keep moving toward the goal. And Satan wants you to think that there's a ceiling on your life. You can only have so much health. You can have only have so much money. You can only have so much joy. You can only have so much of a good relationship in your marriage. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Listen, friends. You keep pressing. You stay focused. And you will find in the midst of that press a presence that will take you through and bring you to another level and bring you to the other side. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. It is the grace of God. It is the goodness of God. It's like David said, you know, I would have fainted. I would have thrown in the tall if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Keep pressing, saints. Because through the press, there's a presence that will elevate you. Amen. Amen. It's like the eagle, right? What does the eagle do? The eagle just spreads its wings. And what what does the eagle let it do? He just lets that wind take him. So let the adversity and let the winds that come against you, don't let them bog you down, but spread your wings, eagles, and mount up and soar and press right on in to the good things that God's got for you. I'm telling you, God's got some good things for us. He's got a bright future for us. It's not worth quitting. It's not worth drawing back. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands and thank Him. Glory to God. Woo, glory to God. My prayer for you is that you'll press right on in to the goodness of God. Amen. All right, so turn over to John chapter 14, and let's look at verse 1 and verse 27 in the Amplified Version. Why are we so fearful? Why, why, is, why is this going on? Well, because it has a lot to do with something that hasn't happened yet, and that quite frankly will never happen. And you just got to put that under your feet. All right? And if something did happen... 
that wasn't desirable, you know what? God's bigger than that. I said God's bigger than that. He's bigger than foreclosures. He's bigger than evictions. He's bigger than losing your job. We serve a great big God. All right, in John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's important what we do with our hearts. Don't let your hearts be troubled, distressed, or agitated. If you believe in and inherit in and trust in and rely on God, believe in and inherit to and trust in and rely on me also. Look at verse 27. He says, Peace I leave with you, my own peace now I give and I bequeath to you. Something that is bequeathed, of course, it means it's handed to you from someone. He said, it's not as the world gives, do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And I love this, how the Amplified says it. Stop. Everyone say stop. Stop. Okay, that's what you got to do with the devil. Stop. Amen. Don't give him any place. Stop. I resist that. You're not getting in. I'm not going to think on that today. Or tomorrow. I'm not going to talk that way anymore. I'm going to talk God talk. So stop then allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly or unsettled. Okay? So when one is agitated, we could say that they are disturbed. They're in turmoil. And they're out of rest, okay? So we've got a choice. We must refuse to be agitated, troubled, disturbed, or afraid. Amen. Amen. We have His peace. His peace. My peace I give unto you. This peace is not like the world gives. This peace is supernatural peace. You know, heaven is filled with that peace. But you know what? He took a part of his peace and he put it in you in the earth. And he said, the fruit of the recreated human spirit is now peace. Say it me, I refuse to allow problems or people or circumstances to agitate me. Now be honest, has any person ever agitated you? <laughs> Has any any person ever disturbed you? Okay? Is it possible for us to live above that? It's only possible through his presence. And it's only possible through his peace. See, that's what the enemy wants. Just picture just a bunch of little demonic imps, you know, set in a raid against your life or against Christians' lives, trying to Whisper in the air. Boy, that just bugs you, doesn't it? That just is so disturbing. Yeah, it really does. And the next thing you know, you start yielding to strife. And all the little demons of hell get happy when you get in strife. You know why that is? Because it allows more to move in. It's like one, one person said that strife is the manifest presence of the enemy. Okay? But he says, don't allow it. Don't allow it. Refuse to allow it. If you're a person prone to agitation, you need then to pray. (laughs) All right. So when we're disturbed and agitated, 
it's very easy to become fearful. Fear opens the door to Satan to operate in our lives. However, we can stop Satan's attacks by refusing to allow agitation or trouble to rule over us. When we become irritated, what we do is we walk away from our peace. You know, the enemy just loves to, to cause little irritations in marriages. We don't want to ask for a show of hands. But you know, if he can, if he can dismantle the married, marital relationship, you know, that's, that's a victory for him. We become afraid. When we become afraid, our source of peace then is gone. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. Let's look at it from the Amplified Version. Philippians 1, 28. Now, you know, over and over again, um, there's the word of focus, there's the word press, there's the word stop, don't allow, refuse. That's just the same way of saying resist the devil. And he will flee from you. It's just the same way of saying, you know, refuse to yield. Yield yourself to him. Okay? It's a choice. All right, now in Philippians 1, uh, 28, notice with me in the Amplified Version. Let's read it together. This is kind of like a little Bible study tonight. We're having a good time, aren't we? Yeah. All right, let's read. Ready? Read. And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. For such a constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof and seal to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation and that from God. Now what is this saying? This is basically saying that our refusal to fear serves as proof to Satan that his destruction is near. Amen. So he's the one who ought to be pacing the floor. He's the one who ought to be agitated because he knows his lease is running out. Your fearlessness is really a token or a picture of a sign of just how blessed the Lord your God free you are. When you refuse to be intimidated and you're walking and operating in the peace of God that passes all understanding, it drives the devil nuts. And what it does, it is giving him no place, no topography, no access into your life. When you don't fear, when you refuse to be intimidated, you paralyze him and he cannot penetrate your soul. Say this to me. I refuse to have my peace disturbed by people, situations, or circumstances. Now let's keep working with this just a little bit. Look at Colossians 3.15. Look at the Amplified Version. Colossians 3.15. Amen. This is a good word for us, guys. Holidays are coming up. All sorts of opportunities for stress. Our house is going to be full next week. You know, I love everybody in the house, but I like my space, you know. I mean, my office is going to be occupied, so I've been getting a lot of my studying done quick. Yeah. And uh, praise the Lord. You know, thank God for family. We love family, right? 
So in Colossians 3.15, in the Amplified Version, it says, And let the peace, okay, so this is, this is my job, this is your job, let the peace from Christ rule then, act as an umpire continually. That's kind of like a bouncer, right? Yeah. <laughs> that umpire at home plate that is, uh, you know, at the A's game or the Giants game, he's like a bouncer. He comes in, if he's out, he's out. If he's safe, he's safe. So let that peace rule in your heart, deciding, I love this, and settling with all finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body you were also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving thanks to God. How often? So let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it rule. Let it, let it be as an empire. Amen? Anything contrary to peace, you're out of here. Amen? Anything that accommodates peace, anything that is of God, we welcome. That's right, Charles. We welcome. Now, let's look at another verse, John 16, verse 33 in the Amplified. John 16, verse 33 in the Amplified. And I, and I think it'd be good to, to read this one together. We'll wait till we get there. Everybody say Hallelujah. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. All right. John 16, verse 33, Amplified Version. This is straight from the Master's lips. Now I have told you these things, and of course to know what he told us, you'd have to read the whole context of John 14, 15, and 16. But he says, I've told you these things so that in me... You might have what? That perfect peace is shalom, shalom. That you might have perfect peace, all right? Now in the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But, aren't you glad he didn't stop there? Because, you know, if he would have stopped there, man, we would have kind of been... Talk about frustrated. Okay, we're going to have this in the world. But... But joins, right? You know, it, what, is, what is that word? Is, is that called a conjunction? Pastor Tom probably knows. It adds to. In other words, it means he's not done yet. So but. But be of good cheer. Well, how can I be of good cheer? Because... There's tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But he's not done talking yet. Take courage. Be confident. Certain. Be undaunted. In nothing intimidated by your adversaries. Here's why. Let's read the rest of it together. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. And have conquered it for you. Yeah, that's us, right? So the word tribulation, what I do in my water? I don't know, when you get older, you need more water? <laughs> tribulation represents pressure, stress, adversity. Represents crushing, represents 
squeezing. The word tribulation in the Greek is the same word used for when they crush grapes or olives in the press. So we talked about pressure. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was so pressed in his soul that he began to bleed. He sweated blood. And he was in the olive place, the place of the press. The Garden of Gethsemane, the place of the press. And so that's what life wants to do to you. That's what life wants to do to me. Okay? There's going to be that. And the enemy just wants us to get so agitated and frustrated that we wonder what in the world is going on. Why would God allow this? i got news for you. It's not coming from Him. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights whereby there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. No, it's the enemy. He's after our peace. So, in closing tonight, we're going to do this for a few minutes. Here's what Jesus told us to do when the squeeze is on. <laughs> he said, be a good cheer. I listened to Jerry Savelle. Martha will probably recognize this. I've listened to these guys so for, many, so, so for, for so many years I get confused on who said what. But I know Savelle said this. He said, the word be of good cheer means to brighten up, rejoice, <laughs> do a dance, and spin around. Look at that. Be a good cheer. So Jesus is saying, guys, brighten up, rejoice, do a dance, spin around. So agitation robs us of peace, and our peace is our security in the midst of turmoil. We can gain victory over agitation by responding the right way by rejoicing. Amen. By giving thanks. In everything, he said, give thanks. Why, Jesus? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. That means in your car. In your PJs. In your living room. And so we can rise above agitation by giving of thanks. Let's stand up tonight. It is the will of God for us to be thankful. Let's just start thanking Him for a few moments tonight. Father, we worship You and we thank You. We choose to rejoice in the Lord our God. We choose to press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we choose to rejoice in the Lord. We are undaunted. We are sure of this very thing. That you, O oh God, who have begun a good work in our lives, you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You who have begun a good work in this church, you will complete it. Glory to God. And so we do worship you. We lift our voice. Can we sing just a little one happy song before we... It's happy hour, you know. Glory. Glory to God. Just a little happy song.
Glory to God. So if you're facing some pressure right now, let other brothers and sisters help you press on. Let's all join in in one accord and do some praising just for a few moments tonight. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say with me, I choose life tonight. I choose to develop the forces, the power of concentration. I am fixed on Jesus Christ. Unlimited supply every day. I bind up the force of agitation and the force of fears. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim my liberty. No more bondage, no more fear. I am a person of faith and I am expecting good things in my life. Good things on the job. Good things in my nation. Good things in my city. I expect the supernatural, the inevitable intervention of God. Help me to press, Lord. May it not be a work of the flesh, but I ask you, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, to help me to press. Help me to press into your presence. Now spread your wings right now. Glory to God. Let's mount up tonight. Oh, let the winds, let the winds cause us to soar these days and these hours, Father. Oh, yes, Lord. Help us to mount up. Yeah, let's sing just a happy song.